The Spatial Jam, an Esri UK podcast. Probably the most fun I've had playing around in Map Viewer. Really interesting to see how our users make use of that engine and create really nice 3D visualizations. Hopefully they've all been interesting, but a particularly interesting episode, that one, Eleni. Hello and welcome to The Spatial Jam. I'm Alastair and I'm joined by fellow hosts Eleni and Sam. As the year draws to a close, we thought it would be a good time to look back and share our GIS highlights for 2021. To kick things off, I thought maybe what we should think about first is what for us have been the the favourite or key changes within ArcGIS in 2021. We know there's been a lot of change, lots of exciting new things, but let's make it personal. Let's go for our uh, personal highlights. So Eleni, do you want to kick this one off? Yeah, so there's been a lot of new releases from Esri this year, and it's been quite overwhelming to keep up with all the new capabilities in ArcGIS. I'm sure many of our listeners will feel the same. Probably the big one for me was the release of SiteScan. Now, SiteScan was actually introduced in 2020, but one of the new things that came out this year in 2021 was the introduction of the Sure processing engine, which SiteScan uses to take drone imagery um, and produce incredibly detailed and sharp 3D meshes. I think that's going to be really interesting to see how our customers, how our users uh, make use of that engine and create really nice 3D visualizations that go along with that digital twin sort of topic area that seems to be all the rage at the moment. So that's definitely probably my favorite thing that I've seen in ArcGIS. Cool. Uh, so, Sam, do you want to go next with your uh, highlight? Yeah, I can. I, fall- I feel like there might be a visual element. Have <laughs> <laughs> I developed a bit of a trend on this podcast of just being a design nerd? I think so. I'm definitely going to have a design focus uh, to my favourite thing. I, I was looking back before this recording and, and thinking about what has excited me most throughout the year. And uh, if I'm honest, it's probably the uh, an update that came just in the last couple of months. So I think it was September or October in the Map Viewer release. Um, sorry, in the ArcGIS Online update, uh, we had something called Map Effects, which came into play. Um, and for those that haven't seen them or, or played around with them, uh, it's probably the most fun I've had playing around with some visual styles in Map Viewer or in ArcGIS Online online for quite some time so what map effects are are essentially you can apply um, different visual styles to either your base map your labels or your data within uh, map viewer and what that means is you can kind of add a glow effect you can add a shadow uh, and without you know having a visual to show you you know if i can describe it verbally um, you can you really get creative with how you design your base maps and then the labels that sit on top of them and having some sort of um, kind of depth to them by like blurring certain elements of your your map so if that made any sense um i think you know they're definitely worth going to play around with um but then i've kind of seen that the kind of uh the community uh, the gis community have got so creative with it because they're taking all these map effects tools and then combining them with like blending mode which uh obviously obviously has been around for a best part of 18 months now um but the combination of the two creates uh, a whole kind of um corner of cartography that you you couldn't do previously so it's really opened up the door to to real creative thinking and and creative map making as well thanks sam and uh, i was listening to you and thinking that this was a little bit like snooker on the radio hearing you trying to describe map effects in without any uh, visuals and there's actually uh, one of our recent webinars is covering that very topic isn't it so if, if people are interested in 
basically seeing what you were trying to describe there, but in more detail, then uh, that's definitely worth checking out. For sure. I'm going to cheat slightly because I'm actually going to pick up on a theme and uh, then that gives me an excuse to mention more than one thing. <laughs> so one of the things you were talking about there, Sam, was the things that you can now do in Map Viewer, which is a web tool. And some of those capabilities are the kinds of things that you would do maybe in Pro. Being able to do some of those things in a web uh, browser just opens more capabilities up to more users um, of ArcGIS. That's that's the, that theme that I'm, I w- was kind of thinking about in terms of some of the things that I've been excited to see coming into ArcGIS this year have also followed that pattern. Um, so, for example, uh, Experience Builder, one of the widgets that was recently added to that is the Edit widget. I had a play with the beta widget and the editing experience is really good. You know, what you can now do, again, within a web browser in terms of editing, both in 2D and 3D, is just that bit more sophisticated. And yeah, I love ArcGIS Pro. Uh, signed up a member of the ArcGIS Pro Appreciation Society as uh, <laughs> Ellen is from a previous episode. But yeah, I'm, I'm happy using Pro, but that's not an option for everybody. Having capabilities come through into web applications, I think, is is a really exciting trend that's been going on for a little while and um last year uh, we recorded a conversation between charles Kennelly and jack dangerman um, and as part of that that was one of the, the things that jack was talking about was that desire to move capability into the the web um, whether it's ArcGIS online or enterprise and open it up to people and the other thing that i was going to just briefly mention was ArcGIS image for ArcGIS Online. That was one of the, the the kind of projects that Jack was talking about, and that's now come to fruition. You know that that was released this summer, and that has that same element of taking some of the the complicated, sophisticated capabilities that have previously been um, desktop based and start opening them up to people through browser technology and through uh, WebGIS. Bit of a cheat, but there is a link between those. Given that I've cheated, has anybody got any others that they want to throw in? Any extras? So, Alistair, just another thing on on the topic of imagery. So the deep learning packages that have been introduced, I think, earlier this year, um, allow users in ArcGIS Online to run um, these these packages, this kind of machine learning technology to identify, you know, all the swimming pools, all the solar panels, these sort of pre-built models by Esri that allow you to kind of, yeah, have that machine learning capability within online is something that, you know, I never thought was possible with uh within like web plat- web mapping um but it's yeah it's a really interesting technology and something that i definitely had fun using thank you both um it's always interesting seeing what comes out in terms of the technology and the way arcgis develops as a technology platform but i think it's also you know one of the exciting things about the the roles that we have and and what we do is what people then do with that technology and um, so what are you our users applying those capabilities to what problems are you tackling uh, with the the technology that's coming your way so eleni i just wondered do you have a favorite user story uh, from this year of what people have been putting uh, some of these capabilities to to use to do yeah so actually picking up on that topic that sam was talking about earlier with machine learning one use case that really caught my attention this year was actually featured in the Esri UK 2021 conference. And that was from Alsys. 
they were able to use machine learning in Arches Pro to monitor the changes in refugee camps in Afghanistan. And it was an incredibly compelling story of how they're able to rapidly identify where these refugee camps are growing um, and where the occupancy of them are growing, and then actually use that to inform the delivery of humanitarian aid and identify where the best locations are for those refugees to resettle. And for me, it was just an incredible showcase of how far ArcGIS has come to the point where we can now take an image that's potentially thousands, billions of pixels and ask a machine to detect or do that job so that we can actually make those decisions even quicker in you know timescales that we just weren't able to do before. And not just for the fact that it's an incredibly cool use case using machine learning, but also it's an incredibly um, pertinent use case with everything going on in the world and um, you know the, the the conflict zones. Being able to bring those two things together, I think, just absolutely blew me away. And that video is actually still available if you go onto Esri UK's uh, conference website. You can watch that and and watch what they did and what they're able to do. Thanks, Helene. And uh, funnily enough, uh, I was actually going to call out another of the stories that that featured in that technology showcase as well, that all the stories were really strong in that, that one. And also Forestry for Scotland, I think might be their, their kind of uh, new formal name. Uh, their story was really interesting as well about using mobile GIS across a couple of different use cases. But I think the one that stood out for me was Natural Resources for Wales, picking up on something that you were talking about at the beginning in terms of changes. And I think they used the other um, drone application. So rather than uh, site scan, it was using ArcGIS drone to map. Uh, but they were talking about using using drones as a survey tool. So I guess, yeah, there's sort of links with some of uh, what we were talking about around Dolcis because you need to collect that uh, imagery to then be able to, to kind of process it. And they were talking about how much uh, drones were starting to change the way that they work and the projects that, that that they need to work on across differently challenging environments in terms of uh, wide areas that they need to be able to survey in a timely fashion or um, kind of difficult to reach locations as well. And so drones are really changing the way that they're mapping and understanding uh, what's going on within the natural environment in Wales. So Sam, do you uh, have any interesting GIS stories you want to share from this year? So yeah, mine's definitely a bit more of a, a broader um, use case. So this is something that I've seen more on social media this year, and a couple of people may have heard this or participated in it, but it's something called the 30-Day Map Challenge. And uh, this is created by a cartographer called Topi Chukanov. And he, I think maybe two years ago, created this idea that um, you know cartographers from not just Esri, but any sort of GIS background can come together and in the month of November, create 30 maps in 30 days. Um, and each day you get a different category to, to cater to. So for example, day one, two, and three are points, lines, and polygons. Um, but then as you get further into the month, you, you get different challenges. So some can be raster, some can be uh, a certain data set, population data set that you have to go and do something with. And what I've loved about that challenge is um, just seeing the the different creativity and the different way people interpret that same 
assignment uh, and go in completely polar opposite directions. And for me, you know, scrolling through Twitter, and it's mainly on Twitter that I've seen it, but, um, you know, there's quite a bit on LinkedIn as well now, but you can just use the hashtag 30 day map challenge, have a look through all of the submissions. There are, you know, 30 submissions from every participant. So there are hundreds of different maps that you can look at. But some of the some of the outputs are visually stunning and also tell a story. And for me, that use case of GIS, as I said, broader than just you know Esri technology, it's it's just the coming together of ideas and uh, pushing the boundaries of every different GIS technology. For me, was really inspiring to see. You know, some of the some of my favourite maps that I've seen this year have been through this. You know, for example, just to shout out one, uh, living in London myself, the uh, the map that I saw called the Coffee Economy was really interesting so it it basically looked at how many flat whites you need to avoid buying to save up for your first house and it was but it was done at a msoa <laughs> level so i can uh, as a potential first time buyer i can really appreciate uh, and a flat white drinker i can appreciate how many i need to skip to get my first house so yeah definitely worth checking out those 30 day map challenges i think i spotted that one as well sam i 30 day map challenges has definitely kind of featured in my uh, twitter feed um and I think it's amazing that that people have both the the ideas to kind of get through thirty days of of a map a day, <laughs> um, but also that that amount of time and commitment as well. I was pretty impressed. It's definitely a big time commitment to it. I'd love to do it one day, but I just uh, yeah, I'm not sure how free my evenings and weekends are to <laughs> to dive into it. That was going to be my next question, Sam. Was where where were yours? <laughs> <laughs> I've I've been stock stockpiling twenty twenty two twenty twenty two maybe yeah. <laughs> Isn't that cheating if you stockpile? <laughs> I think that's what everybody else has been doing. You'd hope that the new map effects in Map Viewer might be able to uh, speed up that process. For I think it so would. maybe that is something to keep in the books. <laughs> so talking of maps, I also thought we might all have a favourite map from the year as well. So we don't really talk about all thirty from uh, your, <laughs> your, your favourite 30, 30 map day <laughs> challenge maps. Do you have a favourite map, Eleni? Yeah. So actually, it's it's really following the theme that seems to be running through this podcast, you know, making really complex GIS easier. And also along that vein, the machine learning tools and the deep learning tools that have been released that you can download from Arches Online and use in things like Arches Pro. Um, combining those two technologies, what Esri have been able to produce this year is the 2020 land cover map. So this was actually looking back at 2020's land cover from the Sentinel-2 imagery. Um, and they released it this year in the Living Atlas and it's absolutely beautiful just as a map in itself. It essentially enables you to see on a global scale what land cover is classified into, whether that's water, urban environments, uh, vegetation, flooded vegetation. And it's really, really incredible to look at. But actually being a bit of a nerd as I am, I wanted to know how it was made and discovered that they did in fact use the deep learning models that you can download for, for Sentinel-2 imagery. And they trained over 5 billion pixels to capture all of those different classifications. And you can look at it on Living Atlas and you can also download uh, parts of it as well if you wanted to understand what the land cover is like in your area speaking actually very recently with customers, that's something that they've really needed to be able to do things like planning 
urban planning, understanding where vegetation is, where um, they can really make the best decisions in terms of how we build infrastructure because we want to preserve that vegetation area. So yeah, the land cover map in the Living Atlas has to be a favourite for me. I'd absolutely echo that, uh, Eleni. We worked on, on a recent project where we took all the, the major mega cities around the world and we looked at the the kind of percentage of uh, built up area versus vegetation, water, uh, tree trees or forest. And, and to to be able to break that down and, and calculate a percentage and look at how different cities are made up around the world was just some fascinating analysis. You know, the, the ability to view it is amazing, but the the fact that you can download it and run analysis on that raster data set is, uh, yeah, really real, real credit to the data. And I guess a continuation of that data set was, maybe this is a bit of a cheat, but the uh, the same um, data set has been used for predictive analysis. So they've now released a 2050 land cover data set. So you can go in and see what they think using you know machine learning and the 5 billion pixels that they've used uh, to train. They've now identified or predicted what uh, 2050 is going to look like. So again, even just having a pan around the map, looking at some of your you know, favorite cities in the world and seeing what the makeup of that city is going to look like is fascinating insight. And that, that's really interesting. And I think, yeah, regardless of whether they're accurate, they give us a sense of the direction of change. But I was also thinking that actually just to have the 2020 land cover map as a resource that in two, three years time, if they, if they then do another uh, snapshot that's that's the kind of now map then you you start to then be able to get that ability to measure change and then be able to identify and, and determine those changes and properly quantify and understand them so a lot of interesting things in there eleni was talking about urban planning and actually for me i'm gonna jump out uh, into in that direction and one of the the maps i was excited to see was actually the glasgow urban model uh, for the center of glasgow they've got surveyed data that's um has a gives an accurate representation of the the building models to lod2 which is level of detail 2 uh, which shows full sort of roof shapes and and that kind of level of information for the model and then they've they've supplemented that for the areas that they don't have that level of detail with just some simple extruded models and there's a bit of a kind of personal connection here one of the things i used to kind of focus on was uh, 3D capability within ArcGIS. And one of the demo models I built was a simple kind of flat extruded model for Glasgow. And you know, just, just to do that, you start to kind of understand some of the challenges that you face when you start trying to represent buildings that, you know, things like St. Mungo's Cathedral, obviously, you know, if you extrude it to the, the maximum height of the building, then you've got this weird, uh, very high block because of the tower so then you push it down well now it doesn't look like a cathedral anymore because it doesn't have the tower so you have to start kind of trying to split it out and represent that so you very quickly start to get into some of the kind of challenging compromises so yeah it's always kind of a richer experience when you start to see uh, more detailed models and i know yeah it's something that uh, other councils have done nottingham they've got a really great 3d model as well they've got some really interesting use cases that they've used theirs for but yeah, you know, I lived in Glasgow for a few years, so it also has that personal exploration <laughs> thing. Yeah, it's, it's quite exciting going in and being able to see things like the Finiston Crane, which is a, a kind of key landmark, and uh, George Square, the, the big council building in George Square is very iconic as well. So that kind of familiarity yeah, just, just added to it as well for me. 
as well as drawing to the end of our calendar year uh, in GIS, this is also us drawing to the end of our first season of the Spatial Jam podcast. So before we wrap up, I just wondered whether uh, either of you had any favorite bits from the season that you wanted to share. Yeah, so I think I'd probably kick myself if I didn't plug my own <laughs> opportunities to be a spatial jam host um, in the climate change episode. It was such an amazing conversation that I had with um, Miles and Addy from Esri UK just around how GIS can be used as a tool to combat climate change, but probably more importantly, it's about those people behind the GIS tool, making those decisions, you know, using GIS as, as information to help them make decisions, but ultimately, you know, it's down to us. And it was just a really inspiring talk about um, the sort of challenges around that, the challenges around data availability and what we can look forward to uh, in the in the next years to come. Yeah, I think that was a, a you know, particularly interesting um hopefully they've all been interesting but a particularly interesting <laughs> episode that one Eleni. how about you sam do you have any uh series favorite moments i mean kind of no not particular particular moments i think i've i've learned a lot over the whole series because obviously you know every episode and every topic that we talk on we kind of get the the expert or somebody that knows a little bit more about that item and and I just find it fascinating to sit through and listen to all of those, even if I'm hosting or not involved. It's you do learn quite a lot through just kind of the process of each episode. And, you know, Eleni's with the climate change, that was such an interesting episode to sit in on because, you know, you had two really interesting hosts that it was almost hard to contain them into 30 minutes. They had so much knowledge. <laughs> That's a good, uh, it's a good way of looking at it, Sam, because it has been uh, a lot of fun. And, you know, the episodes that I haven't been involved with directly, I've really enjoyed listening at into and and learning from i guess for me one where we uh, beth and i spent time talking to richard mumford about machine learning i did really enjoy that one um it was definitely a kind of case of getting into an interesting conversation and then having to remember that yeah the podcast is only supposed to be so long and uh, not being able <laughs> to carry on for hours in the interest of uh, wrapping this one up in a timely fashion as well and not going on for ages thank you to sam and eleni for joining me today Thanks, Alistair. Thank you. Thank you very much for listening. We'd love to hear what you think. So please get in touch at podcast at esriuk.com. And don't forget to subscribe and rate us on your chosen pod channel. It really does make a difference. Having looked back on 2021, we hope you'll be looking forward to joining us again in 2022. The views of the presenters may differ from those at Esri UK. I think it's uh, great. What on earth was that? Um, I need to not bang the table, Nana.